The podcast is also sponsored by my good friend Tiger at It's Tiger Music on Instagram at itztiger.music. You can find all his work on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. He does all the music and tracks for the Block Hash podcast. Go check him out. Also, don't forget to check out Blockhash Plus on Patreon. This is something that's new, where you can learn more about trading, technical analysis, and charting, all for the price of two cups of coffee a month. That's pretty damn cheap. Sign up at patreon.com slash Blockhash. And last but definitely not least, Blockhash is offering consulting for all your blockchain needs. Buying, exchanging, selling, safe storage, tokenization, NFT creation, point of sale, you name it. We can help you. Go to blockhashpodcast.com slash consulting and let's talk. What's up, guys? It is Wednesday, January 27th, episode 103. This week on the podcast, Nick Casares, head of product for Polyant Games, joins me on the podcast Polyant Games is helping create the first fully functional decentralized gaming economy by adding liquidity to digital assets. They're also well known for the largest NFT purchase ever for like $800,000, something crazy. And we have a great conversation about the future of gaming overall, so I think you guys will really enjoy this one. Anyways, like always, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain, decentralized gaming, Pauline Games, Nick Asaris, the whole lot. Enjoy. All right, Nick, how you doing? Welcome on the podcast. Doing well, Brandon. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. So before we kind of jump in to all the things we want to talk about today, tell me a little bit about yourself and your backgrounds so that the audience can get a little bit more familiar with who you are and what you do. Sure. So I'm Nick Casares. Uh, I'm the head of product at Polyant Games. And for about the past 15 years, I've worked in tech um, across a range of industries, everything from cloud storage to marketing technology to public safety to even a little bit of uh, commercial real estate. And throughout my career, um, I've served as a direct contributor or a leader of uh, UX and product teams. So my sweet spot is really at that intersection of user experience and product development. Um, I've spent probably a disproportionate amount of my career working Mm -hmm. in startups. And I've also spent time working on internal innovation teams. Uh, So you could say that early stage product development is really in my DNA. Uh, It's where I feel most comfortable. Um, I got involved in blockchain around 2016. So I guess you could call me a relative newcomer to the space. Um, Mm -hmm. I got involved through a colleague who invited me to participate in a hackathon. Um, And the challenge of that hackathon was really about applying blockchain to the supply chain. I think there was kind of a lot of that thinking around that time. Around that time, I I really almost knew nothing about blockchain or crypto, Um, but that event is what really drew me down the rabbit hole. And about a year later, um, after tons of sort of immersion in the space and self-study, after reading way too many white papers, um, I started a podcast uh, actually with a colleague that had originally invited me to that hackathon. Yeah, and and both being product people, we really wanted to explore how founders and product development people and teams were approaching uh, product development in the the blockchain space. And so we really zeroed 
zeroed in on that for, for the podcast. Um, around the time that we launched the podcast, Brad Robertson, who is Polyant's CEO, reached out to uh, learn what I was up to after seeing a, a post on a social media channel. Brad and I had worked together at a previous startup, uh, and he was in the middle of starting a blockchain-focused incubator. So it just so happened that he was looking for a product person to uh, help coach founders and help build out the program. And so I came on board to help start Polyant with that effort. So from 2018 to 2019, we built things out at Polyant and we incubated about a dozen companies, uh, all early stage uh, blockchain technology. And then toward the end of 2019, uh, we met Craig Russo who is our director of innovation and realized that we were all interested in and sort of pushing toward uh, this intersection of gaming and decentralized finance and digital ownership. Uh, that was really the genesis of Polyant Games and it's, it's what we've been focused on uh, ever since. Very cool. What struck you about blockchain at that event way back that made you like really want to get into this space? Uh, you know, it's going to sound cliche, but one of the first things that I did is I I, I read the white paper, right? And right. and you know, and just what what really blew me away was just the the power of the concepts packed into what was really an approachable and very short paper. Um, you know, and it wasn't highly technical. It was the kind of thing that anybody could really pick up and understand. And it really just the idea of decentralization and giving control back to the user uh, in new ways really, really resonated with me. I had personally been sort of trending away from social media, and I've always been a little bit of a, a digital privacy advocate. Mm -hmm. um, ask any of my, my family members. Um, and, and it was just the, the, the whole ethos around the space that, you know, you can own your data, you can own your assets, and we can start removing some of these rent sinking uh, intermediaries from the conversation. Yeah, you took that and you decided to go the route of, you know, blockchain and gaming, which is a very interesting space and joined up with Polyant Games. So what do you guys do at Polyant Games? Like what, what is it exactly? Sure. So Polyant Games is an invest, we're an investment firm and technology incubator that mm -hmm. is helping to really pave the way for innovation in the blockchain gaming space. Um, our mission is to help facilitate a revolution in the gaming industry uh, by providing technology, community support, and uh, token economics that really uh, push forward this whole play-to-earn movement. Uh, and, and we can get into that here in a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. We see a huge opportunity in that future where, where the player is a more integral part of the game, this play-to-earn future, um, where gamers really experience true ownership uh, of their digital assets, and they have a lot more control over their experience. Um, so our team is fully focused on establishing the technical, the community, and the token economic infrastructure that we think is, is really going to be needed to support decentralized virtual economies. And, and you know, gaming is an obvious uh, starting place for that. Uh, so, so my role at Polyant, there, uh, Polyant Games is to lead the product team. Um, so I help shape the vision. Uh, I ensure that we're delivering value to our community. Um, and, you know, like any product person will probably attest, really doing whatever it takes to help get uh, quality products out the door. Okay. So you guys are bringing the economics um, to gaming. So you'll be able to, you know, do like the same type of payment systems, economics and, you know, business and, you know, things you do in normal life, like in a video game, essentially. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and that's sort of what's happened uh, with things like decentralized finance, that that 
that whole movement around taking all of the elements of the financial infrastructure today and breaking that down into these composable units, you know, that's, that's just uh, mm -hmm. mirroring what's already out there in the real world. And we think that that's going to, uh, that's going to play out in virtual economies too, with gaming being uh, sort of the beachhead for that movement. Yeah, I could see this plugging into virtual reality very, very quickly. <laughs> I just feel like Absolutely. everything's going everything's going the route of Ready Player One like so quickly. I just I see it every single day. <laughs> Absolutely, you know it's funny. My wife and I rewatched uh, Ready Player One recently, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know she's not she's not too connected to what I'm doing, although she hears a lot of the the chatter and the meetings that I have, and she noted that she's like, "Oh, isn't that what you guys are doing?" <laughs> What, what's the whole point of doing it? Like, what's the benefit of doing so? Like, how does this benefit us as a society or, you know, just the gaming industry to be able to take this, you know, decentralized aspect and throw economics into gaming? Yeah, so, so it might be helpful if we just kind of talk about uh, the, the differences uh, between mm -hmm. decentralized gaming and traditional gaming. Sure. Um, so, so the main difference between decentralized and regular gaming really comes down to, again, this question of ownership. Um, so today, most gaming experiences are controlled by really large game studios, uh, companies like Valve, Epic Games, EA Sports. Uh, you, anybody who's putting out these AAA titles through app stores and on consoles, they really have the control. Um, at the same time, all of these games have some type of in-game currency or in-game economy that allows mm -hmm. players to sort of earn and spend within this virtual ecosystem. Um, so when you match those two things up, these companies end up having a lot of power to completely dictate the gaming experience because they own, they control the currencies and the economies. So if a player decides, hey, you know what, I want to change games or I'm, I'm done with this game, I want to move on, they, they have this uncomfortable choice. You know, they're forced to leave their in-game purchases behind, uh, including their accomplishments, which represents a non-trivial amount of their money or their time. Um, they're forced to kind of believe leave those behind with the developers of that game. Um, and, you know, there are some aftermarket opportunities, but they're not coordinated uh, in, in any way that gives the user really the, the power um, to, to negotiate what that's worth to them. So okay. what decentralized gaming brings to the table then is this opportunity for players to kind of flip that script and truly own their in-game assets and their accomplishments uh, through the innovation that's happening around digital assets and decentralized markets uh, that, that we're seeing with things like, again, decentralized finance. Um, with this decentralized approach then, uh, players can keep more of what they earn and they can decide what to do with those assets in an open and a decentralized market. Um, so what I think we're seeing is, is the beginning of a real paradigm shift in gaming, which again will spread to other virtual economies where it's gonna be truly possible for gamers to mon monetize their efforts and really generate meaningful economic results through their gaming. Um, so, you know, outside of the 1% of elite gamers that are competing, you know, in, in Dota championships, mm -hmm. that's really not something that's possible with traditional games today. It's just, it, it's entertainment value, but it, it's kind of a lost, uh, a lost effort if, if somebody's investing a non-trivial amount of time or money in a game. And so benefit to society, you know, I would say is, is that Gaming is a beachhead for this approach to let's take back some of this power as contributors to the economies that we're powering. You know, I, I think it's in, we're at an interesting time uh, in society right now with questions about social media, questions about 
digital ownership, censorship. And I think these questions are going to start to bubble to the top um, of people's minds. And they're going to start looking at things and, and saying, you know, am I the product? And if so, you know, should I be allowed to monetize my efforts or my data in, in new and meaningful ways? Right. Do you guys have any like use cases that you've like put together um, through Polyant Games that um, you can attest to um, this is actually like working or in an ecosystem or a game or a DAP that already exists? Yeah, so there, there are a couple of examples that come to mind. Um, and, and we can talk about uh, the uh, NFT sale uh, that, mm-hmm. that has been some headlines in a little bit here. But uh, one of the use cases is with one of our gaming partner companies, Gala Games. Uh, so Gala Games is in the process of developing a title called Mirandus, which is an MMORPG, a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. Um, and within that game, uh, you know, because it's simulation, they're they're developing all sorts of uh, in-game items, right? So whether you need an axe or a hammer or supplies to build your shop, um, and that's you know that's a pretty familiar concept in these types of games. Uh, but what they've started to do is actually offer some of those items. You can go to OpenSea, which is a, a marketplace for decentralized uh, collectibles. And you can actually purchase some of those items in our re- re- the reward token from Polyant Games. So the PGU, uh, the Polyant Games re- reward token, uh, is something that people within the ecosystem, so players that are a part of the Polyant Games ecosystem, they earn those rewards. And then they can take those rewards and they can redeem them for in-game items. So the use case there is really you know, turning their participation within the ecosystem into a tangible reward that they can then uh, go into a game like Mirandus and they can use mm-hmm. that item and potentially even generate income with that item. What was it called again? PGU? A PGU, Polyant Games Unity token. Okay. And that's, yeah. again, it's our rewards token. Yeah, I can see so many people leveraging this like at the right time when it kicks off and, you know, earning like an entire like living and income doing this. Like, cause I know how popular gaming is. Like there are gaming championships that are far bigger than the Super Bowl in terms of how many people, you know, watch and attend. Um, Absolutely. And I, I can imagine so many people, you know, selling and collecting items, NFTs, you know, things that are valuable within its ecosystem, you know, building an entire business around that, like in game, like in world, like whatever the circumstances. And then, having like a real life like income or passive income doing that like it's just crazy to think about but like i really think we are trending that direction yeah you know it's it, two thoughts there um that's already sort of happening uh, with some of the games mm-hmm. out there so there's a game title axie infinity um we're actually they're, they're part of the Polyant games ecosystem and we've host, you know we host tournaments for them they're part of our reward system um, and some of their players, some of their top players are actually players in uh, developing economies. And those players are generating non-trivial contributions to their personal income through playing a game, right? Which mm-hmm. it, it is crazy to think about, you know? So, and, and then if you play that against something like the gig economy of today, uh, it, it could be that in the not too far away future, instead of driving for Uber, you're going to mm-hmm. play games <laughs> or, you, or you're going to craft items. You're going to sell those to other gamers. And so mm-hmm. it, it really is a fun and an interesting way to think about the future of how we can add value and, and extract value from our own efforts. I know it's crazy to think about. It makes me think of like all these animes like Sword Art Online that talk about this and then Ready Player One. I just got if, if VR really takes off, we're, we're very close. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, absolutely. You, you know, in, in Ready Player One, how they're constantly going to their inventory, right? Right, and they're they're scrolling and looking for things. Every one of those things needs to be created, needs mm-hmm. to be crafted, and and it's not going to be the player making all of those things. There's going to be a rich economy for for buying and selling and trading those things. Do you think there would be like a real world? implication to doing that though that's connected with the actual economy because i feel like you know if something like that really got going and then you have this economy in world and you know you're generating in world like credit or income that i imagine you know with crypto is convertible to us dollars or another real world fiat currency i imagine there being a lot of crazy economic ties to that it's it's interesting that you asked that. So that that's actually a big part of our our ecosystem value proposition. So, mm-hmm. um, one of the products that that Polyant Games uh, developed is a a decentralized exchange. Um, so anybody in the DeFi space is probably familiar with Uniswap. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a very popular one of the one of the top decentralized exchanges. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, and it, you know it's seen skyrocketing uh, value locked over the past six months. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's crazy to see those numbers go up. Uh, so what, what we've done is we've actually, because Uniswap is open source, we've forked Uniswap, um, but with a very special purpose in mind. And so we have a decentralized exchange where we're limiting the token pairs that can be traded to uh, game pairs within our ecosystem. And, you know, at first glance, you might say, well, isn't that kind of a closed approach or why would you want to do that? But what we're trying to encourage is this fluid nature of economic movement from game to game, but then also from game to real world. So as a player maybe is in axes and they're earning SLP, uh, which is one of their one of their in-game tokens, they can take that SLP and they can bring it to the Polyant Games decks. And they can trade that maybe for a PGU, and maybe they want to go acquire another item with a PGU, or they could actually uh, trade that SLP or that PGU for ETH, right? And and take that ETH to the open market and turn that into money that's going to help them pay their bills. Yeah, that's crazy. Imagine if there's billions, potentially trillions of dollars, you know, circulating in that virtual economy and how that affect the real world. It's just crazy to think about. I, I want to talk about the elephant in the room, which is this nft purchase you guys made for like what around eight hundred thousand dollars yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah (laughs) so so you're you're probably asking yeah go ahead sorry no no i was gonna say tell me a little bit more about why like what's the justification for spending that much money on an nft sure sure um yeah so at first glance it's it's depending on on who's looking at the situation it could be Mm -hmm. a kind of a head scratcher Right. right. What did you spend eight hundred thousand dollars on for this digital item? Um, but, but let me back up, and I'll give you some some context. So yeah, sure. we recently purchased. I, earlier, I mentioned this partner game, Gala Games, uh, or this partner gaming company, Gala Games, uh, and they have this upcoming title, Mirandus, which again is an MMO RPG. So it's a simulation game, um, and the idea is that uh, people, uh, you know, establish their their character and they establish their land and they establish their business within this world and then they interact with each other you know and that could be through commerce that could be through direct player interaction all kinds of ways that the game can be customized um, one of the major concepts within Mirandus is the idea of kingdoms and so within Mirandus, there are five distinct kingdoms referred to as citadels well what Polyant Games has done is we've purchased one of those kingdoms the Citadel of the Sun uh, for $800,000. Uh, that's that's uh, the price that we paid on OpenSea. 
Um, I think it's the largest NFT sale to date, mm -hmm. um, at least in the gaming context. And what that does, you know, at face value, you're like, okay, great. You, you bought a digital castle. Um, but that's not actually why we did it. Uh, th th there are a couple of reasons behind uh, our purchase and what motivated us to get involved. Number one, Gala Games, uh, they, they are best of breed game developers. Uh, they, they come from a team that has tons of experience working on AAA games. So they're coming at gaming from the perspective of how do we take an experience and scale this to the millions or possibly billions, right? Which is, mm -hmm. it, it's a perspective that I think is lacking in a lot of crypto projects and a lot of decentralized projects because we're just not at that scale of adoption yet. And so we're very interested in partnering with companies who sort of come at this from a different perspective of what if we took some of this, you know, complexity and complication away and really opened this up to the masses. So one, they're a great team, tons of experience, and they have a really clear and impressive vision for where they want to take the game. The second reason we got involved is for the rights uh, that the Citadel actually has within the game. So each kingdom has its own set of uh, special powers or properties uh, that influence the direction or the gameplay. Mm -hmm. The special power or property that the Citadel of the Sun has is that it powers the financial infrastructure for the entire game. And so when players uh, acquire items in game, uh, there's only so much that a player can carry in their sort of on-person inventory at a time. Uh, they at, at some point will need to store those items in a safer place, a place like a vault. There are also opportunities for players to transact with each other. Um, so they want to you know, trade items, sell items, um, transform items. Those are all sort of financial layer activities that the Citadel of the Sun will uh, have direct influence over. Um, so that, it really puts us at the epicenter and it is very in line with our thesis about driving forward these decentralized virtual economies. And so, yes, it's the digital castle. <laughs> yes, it was $800,000, crazy amount of money. At the same time, um, it, it really is, we're, we're staking a claim and placing a bet on the future vision here with Polyant Games and the broader ecosystem. Well, I mean... Just alone, Citadel of the Sun seems pretty damn cool to me. <laughs> it's a really right? cool name. <laughs> so I can understand from that perspective already. Um, but yeah, no, that makes sense because that gives you, buying that NFT gives you the ability to influence and create and build upon the financial aspect in that game, if I understand correctly, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, for, for a game company like Gala, uh, it also allows them to focus uh, directly on the gameplay and the things that they really want to drive their creativity and imagination toward. And Polyant Games, because we're, our vision is to build out the infrastructure and create to, to facilitate this layer of uh, mm -hmm. interaction across these games, it kind of lets us both focus on what we're, what we're good at and what we're interested in driving forward. Yeah, it's a really smart approach by them. And I, I'm seeing this a lot more in the NFT space um, under Ethereum and probably under some other blockchains in the future. But this ability to almost outsource the ability to grow and develop you know, your project or your game or whatever it may be by doing like an NFT sale like this and then attaching something to it. it it's a very interesting idea of having someone outsourcing something and but someone's also investing in the platform by doing that um it's kind of just a unique process it, it is it is and i think for some of these projects uh some are also starting to see the benefit in terms of uh, network effect and uh, sort of the top of funnel user or player acquisition acquisition 
so when you think about uh, a single NFT project, they may have a limited audience right now. And so, you know, if they're focused on product development, which is generally the, the major effort with any of these projects is, you know, there's, there's a lot of code involved and, and it's non-trivial code that has high risks. Um, so you want to be very focused on the quality of the product. At the same time, without a stellar marketing plan and a go-to-market approach, you know, building out your user base is, is going to be difficult. And mm -hmm. so one of the value propositions we offer to partner games within the ecosystem is why don't you join the ecosystem and become a part of this community that we can then offer to players of other games because the, the attitude in the space is different and it's decentralized from the get-go, there's less sort of fighting over these player bases. And I think the, the, the visionaries in the space understand that players are going to come and go. And the way that we're going to grow this in total, that, that whole size of the pie for everybody, is by actually facilitating that free movement between games and giving players more freedom and less lock-in. Are, are there any other dApps or games you guys are also like doing the same thing, trying to invest in or buying, um, you know, this access through an NFT or that you just kind of have on your horizons or that you're looking at? Um, you know, we have a, a very active BD effort and conversations with, with almost every game in the space. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm not in a position to talk about deals at this point, but gotcha. we're, we're looking at everybody and, and really encouraging everybody to take a look at this and see if there's a way that they can get involved that, that benefits them uh, as well. Or actually, here's a better way of saying it. Are there any that you've gotten involved in um, already that's already public? Uh, yeah, so so we have public uh, partnerships with uh, Axie Infinity, okay. uh, the the Sandbox, uh, Neon District, who uh, Polyant, the the venture side of our business, is actually an investor in. Um, cool. So all all active conversations with these games in the space. Yeah, that's actually Neon District is one that I've been kind of interested in for a long time. It kind of looks like the DAP version of Cyberpunk in a way. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> Um, so what's the roadmap look like for Polyant Games going into 2021? Do you have anything um, that you guys are, you know, looking to do specifically? Sure. Yeah. So, so in terms of uh, product development and things that we'd like to bring to market this year, I tend to think about this from the player perspective. And I think about it in sort of three swim lanes, if you will. Uh, the first is earn, the second is trade, and the third is spend. So I'll kind of go through those in turn. Mm -hmm. In that first swim lane of earn, what we're really talking about is uh, technology that, that allows players to earn more rewards from their efforts. So there's a couple of ways that players can earn uh, rewards today. One would be by contributing liquidity on the decentralized exchange. You know, they can pool their game tokens. And then because they are helping to make that market, every time another gamer comes and trades tokens, they get a small cut of that transaction fee. Um, so as long as they have those tokens in their wallet and they, aren't, they don't need them at the moment, you know, they can go make uh, some rewards on, on those tokens. Uh, the second way is by holding uh, what we call the, the PGFK or the Polyant Games Founders Key. We, we can talk about that in a sec if you'd like. Yeah, um, sure. But but that uh, is a way for a not only for a player to access the ecosystem, but for them to accrue additional rewards and earn those rewards based on holding that PGFK. Um, it's almost like a punch card uh, system. 
Um, so those are a couple of ways that uh, people can earn in the ecosystem. And we're actively looking at different ways to ramp that up. So we have this concept of vaults uh, on the horizon. And what vaults will allow players to do is uh, take uh, multiple collections of these different assets, whether that's game tokens or collectibles, and then lock them um, in, a, in a smart contract for a period of time. Over time then, when that contract uh, or that, that vault sort of expires, they'll earn additional tokens on top of that. Um, so it's a way for them to do, in DeFi, we call it liquidity mining, but it's a way for them to generate sort of a yield on top of their, their tokens. So that's in the earn lane. We have the trade lane, um, which is all about, you know, how can you as a player, again, have this sort of fluid movement across games. So we plan to continue adding pairs to the decentralized exchange. Um, we also have a technology called the particle bridge which allows somebody to take a digital collectible, so something like a digital sword, um, and they can, which is, which is non-fungible, meaning that it's, it's not like any other, uh, it, it's a unique digital item. Um, so you couldn't trade it like you could a dollar. And they can take that to the particle bridge and they can turn that, they can, they can particleize that into uh, ERC-20 tokens or similar to game tokens that can then be traded. So you could take your digital collectible, you can turn it into tokens, which then you can go trade uh, to, to earn more rewards or to uh, buy, uh, you know, in-game items for a different game. So that's the, the trade swim lane. And then the final sw swim lane that we think about is the spend area. And so we're uh, currently in the process of developing marketplace experiences that will allow players to uh, redeem their rewards tokens for uh, think of it almost like pop-up shops with some of our gaming partners. So a gaming partner like Axie might decide they want to do, uh, they, they want to offer a rare uh, Axie to Polyant Games players. We could do that through one of these pop-up pop shop experiences and then players will be able to go there and because they're part of the ecosystem, they can, they can spend their rewards and acquire those items. Nice. It sounds like you guys got a lot going on for this year. <laughs> we do. It's, it's, a, it's a very, very busy year. You mentioned PGFKs. What were those? Yeah, a PGFK is a Polyant Games founder's key. Um, it serves as an access pass to our mm -hmm. ecosystem. Um, again, they're, they're unique. They're an NFT, um, non-fungible token that represents mm -hmm. a user's unique experiences and their, and their accomplishments and their rewards within the ecosystem. Um, quick side trip on the idea of non-fungibility. So Throughout the industry, there's this jargon of NFT or non-fungible token. I personally think it's terrible because we rarely, if ever, really think or speak in terms of fungibility. Um, it's just not a commonly used word. Um, but for listeners that might not be familiar with that concept, um, a fungible asset is an asset that can be traded uh, for another just like it. So think of a dollar. A dollar is fungible because there's no meaningful difference between one dollar and another. They're easy to trade and they spend the same way. Whereas a non-fungible asset has unique properties that make it more difficult to trade. So it's, it's more of a collectible item. Um, so from that perspective, it's, it's more straightforward to think about NFTs, I think, as digital collectibles. Um, and so a PGFK is unique to the player because as they're participating in the ecosystem, again, it's like an access pass with a punch card a superpower. So they're getting punched for these different activities or for doing things like trading on the decks. And then that gives them a custom set of rewards. So you couldn't just take your PGFK and trade it for somebody else's PGFK and expect the same rewards. It would be custom mm -hmm. to you. 
Yeah, I like that sentiment. It makes a lot of sense. Treating a NFT as just, you know, a digital collectible or something that's completely unique, like just in the wording, it just kind of sounds weird as well. But I mean, that's essentially what it is, is a digital collectible because there's only one NFT of any NFT technically in existence. And um, they all have completely different purposes depending on the ecosystem or use case. So I do agree with Absolutely. you on that. Anyways, Nick, I got to get going to meeting in a few. So we're going to wrap it up here. But um, dude, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk about Polyant Games and everything you guys are doing. Love hearing about the Citadel of the Sun and this NFT. And <laughs> this is all cool stuff. And yeah, we'd love to talk to you again in the future. And uh, again, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. Talk to you next time. Stay safe, stay healthy. Take care.